What you're about to experience is a free, worldwide, interactive broadcast from Ontario, Canada. We broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Get your questions in. Join the community chat room at www.category5.tv or email us at live at category5.tv. And now, let's begin. Here's your host, Robbie Ferguson. Welcome to episode number 155 of Category 5 Technology TV. It is great to have you here. Nice to see so many people joining us in the chat room. And I'm joined by my good friend Eric Kidd tonight. Hey. Good to see you, buddy. How are you? Exceptional. How's everybody doing? You had a great week. I'd uh, love to hear from you in the chat room. Say hey. I see a couple of uh, wonderful, familiar faces uh, joining us tonight. We've got Hillary joining us in the chat room, Christy joining us in the chat room. Uh, these are uh, co-hosts that have, that have left us. It's nothing I said, though, is it? Nothing you said. Okay, Nothing you said. I don't know what I did. We'll see after tonight if Eric ever comes back, and, uh, and we'll see what happens there. Yeah, hey, everybody. Hey, Christy. Hey, Hillary. Hey, Jot. Raptor222. Just watching the chat room. If you're not joining us in the chat room, Category5.tv is the place to be. Love to have you there. You know your way around tonight? I found a laptop he's, here yeah, sitting in front of, of me. Fumbling I around. found okay. my glasses in case things get yeah. really uh, in trouble, and I've okay, got a good. glass of... Uh, some kind of beverage, mystery beverage. Super good old spring water. Yeah. Good old spring water. So what do you got for us? Well, do you want to hear what's coming up in the newsroom? Sure do. Okay, well, coming up in the newsroom, the ATI versus NVIDIA debate will soon be sung to a different tune as AMD announced its intent to phase out the ATI brand. Category 5 Technology TV begins testing QR code integration for smartphone users who want to watch the show. And Toshiba has recalled about 41,000 modern laptops worldwide due to a potential burn hazard. And Ubuntu 10.10 is, is available for preliminary beta testing. Stick around for the latest news from the Category 5 TV newsroom. Hmm. Brilliant. Yeah, Ubuntu. It caught me by Ubuntu. surprise. Okay. I, I still get, I still honestly get emails to this day. Uh, videos that were published by Category 5 three, three and a half years ago. And, uh, you know, and I get messages saying that you, you pronounced Ubuntu wrong. Because I used to say... I used to say... I used to say... Sure. I used to say Ubuntu. If uh, anyone's been around for that long, you remember that. But Canonical made a smart move, and when, when they released one of their later versions of Ubuntu, they actually, on the website, put right on the front page as you're about to download it Ubuntu O-O-B-O-O-N-T-O-O -O -O -O. right up there so that's kind of how you figured it out but well now you know okay well you know talking about pronunciations Robbie yeah yeah <laughs> um, there's a fella Shawl uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name indeed um, but hey, the Shaw. title of the email is correct pronunciation. He says, hi Robbie and Hillary. Hi Hillary. Um, I noticed that you have struggles with word pronunciation. In the last show, Hillary mispronounced <laughs> diaspora. You. Did I say that correctly? Absolutely not. Okay. Oh. As I learned from the, from the number of email that I got. So, I decided to send you a few links that might help you with future pronunciation right. of hard words and non-English names. What is it about us Canucks? It's us Canucks, right? Diaspora. So I looked it up, thanks to uh, well, not just Shaw's email, but about thirty other about about thirty other emails okay. that came in saying, "Hey, it's diaspora." Diaspora. And you hung me out to dry. You could have told me that. 
<laughs> I wanted to hear you try it and get it wrong, and, and then I don't feel so bad. And it, so. so so I've got links here for a free online talking dictionary of English pronunciation, right. online database of names, the dictionary of name pronunciation, and Frovo, the pronunciation guide. Anyway. There, there are a lot of those out there, and I'll, I'll post those links uh, for you in the show notes of episode number 155. Uh, but uh, it's, it's actually pretty handy. You type in a word, and then audibly, <laughs> a little more accurately than the, uh, than what was it, the, oh, what were, you know, the... Oh, oh, the... Um, we're reminiscing here, everyone. Sorry, we uh, came across that, you know, where you have to type in a word before you can actually proceed with one of those little... Uh, You're submitting a form. ...online forms. Yeah. Well, they, they had an audible pronunciation. I, Click I here to, to hear it, right? It says just, basically, I think it said just randomly hit keys because I couldn't understand a word they said. <laughs> we should actually get that link sometime. We should try to find yes. that. So the story is we're sitting there at the computer and, and he's working away, working away, goes to submit a form, and it said that what you typed is incorrect. So, okay, click on that little speaker and it will play what it is. And seriously, it just was like... Yeah. And we said, what? <laughs> so, anyways, so we started mashing the keys and we actually got it right. So, very good. Okay. But I'll post the links for those uh, because it is pretty cool that you can just type in a word. And uh, I, I think it was Frovo... Let's, let's take a quick look, because I am interested in th the sake of accuracy. While you're looking for that, I will yeah. just point out the last line here is, keep up the good work and good luck to Hillary for being accepted to school. And that's from Shaw. He's a uh, third year uh, geography uh, at Ben Gurion University. I probably pronounced that incorrectly, too. No, I never did. That's good. <laughs> I, I'd like to find out which is... Ah, oh, yes. It is... Uh, Forvo.com. And on Forvo.com, you type in a word like diaspora, right? And interestingly enough, now it has, these are actually user-submitted user pronunciations of the word, and you can actually hear the differences in dialect based on <laughs> where the person is situated. So in North America, you can push play and hear what that word sounds like based on the two people who have posted from North America. But then you get over here, and suddenly, uh, not only has the accent changed, but the pronunciation itself has changed as well. You know, I'm thinking you might get quite a disparity between pronunciations from the East Coast to the West Coast, <laughs> even Definitely. in North America. But I, I think that one of us has yeah. actually got to get on there and post diaspora as a <laughs> And then as it a pronunciation. will become... Part of the uh, it, it'll be accepted. people start saying, "Oh, that this Robbie Ferguson from Category Five, it's got to be, be true." It's got to be true. So I saw it on Category Five TV. <laughs> How many poor people started out using Ubuntu? <laughs> Raise your hands. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, let's check out the chat room. We're going to try to keep up tonight. Uh, Eric has uh, expressed something quite interesting. Uh oh. In that you've never used a chat room. No, I'm kind of a... A chat room noob. Yeah. Everybody flood. Freak them <laughs> out. So, LOL is, uh, is laugh out loud. That gets you started. No, 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 I got that. Okay. I'm going to leave some of the other ones I know out. Have you used uh, ICQ, Evermind is wondering? No, MSN? I, 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 no. Uh, no. AOL Instant Messenger? Yahoo? <laughs> Any of these? Eric is indeed busted. No. There you have it. So, if... Questions are streaming by in the chat room. Forgive us. Say Robbie F. or Eric Kid, and uh, hopefully one of us will catch you. 
<laughs> What's the command to slap someone's the throat? Okay, Gadget Wisdom Guru. I was like, how do you know about that? That is an old IRC. If you ever hear somebody slaps somebody with a trout, that was MIRC. It's a brilliant application back in the early days of IRC. My goodness. But you can actually right-click on a name and go slap with a trout. I wasn't too scared until you started throwing fish around. That's it. That's it. <laughs> He's lost in the chat. I am it's flying by. I'm terrified. Sound. Good, good. Yeah, uh, A. Jameson mentioning that uh, sound is kind of iffy tonight. Is anyone else having problems? We'd love to know. Somebody saying that uh, sound is indeed cutting in and out. Check, check. We'll do what we can. We'll do what we can. <laughs> Poor trope. Okay. <laughs> is it uh, is it just a buffer on the feed? Your your cell phone's off. Yeah, good, excellent. My We're cell phone is indeed off. I left the BlackBerry in the other room. Good, good. Okay, well, we'll try to, uh, we'll see if, uh, if things kind of come back around, so. You have some email there or something you can look at? I'm going to just, uh, I'm going to kill some services on one of my servers here just to be oh, certain. Okay. Well, you don't want me to ask you any really tough questions here for a second, do you? Well, you can get, you can run them by me and see how I do. Well, okay, we have one here from uh, Jim Kerwin. Hey, Jim. Um... He calls you O oh, co-hostless one, but he didn't know I was here. Didn't know. Um, thanks for all you do for the Category 5 community specifically and for the Ubuntu Linux world generally. And many thanks yeah. to the long-suffering Becca, who shares <laughs> you with us for so many hours each week, counting research, prep, and post-production in addition to the actual broadcast time. Okay, let's go down to the questions. He has a trio of questions. Um, he's we'll running Ubuntu 10.04.1, 64-bit on a two-year-old dual-core HP Pavilion laptop. Question one, scanner problem. I've had two Windows-free weeks without missing anything until today. He tried running Xane with his Epson Perfection 3590 photo scanner, and he gets the following error. Error, failed to open device, snap scan dot libusb, colon zero zero two etc anyway it says it's an invalid argument okay um it's a similar failure using ubuntu 9.1032 bit on an older compact presario laptop various visits to the ubuntu forum and the sane site are not encouraging i came close to a solution by visiting the epson support pages which sent me to the uh this big long url there for a linux driver but a the driver download is dot rpm not dot deb and b i can't get to alien to transmo wow that's quite a word transmogrify the uh, dot rpm into a dot deb without throwing dependency errors so what's he saying should here? we throw transmogrify what else do you recommend on the uh, on forvo we probably should hmm. i'm i'm just doing a quick scan here and it's an older scanner eh because some of the posts go back as far as uh, 2005 as far as people saying, oh, I'm getting this going on, on Ubuntu. So you're right, that's not encouraging. And I'm, I'm never of the mindset, really, that you've got to go out and upgrade or anything like that, but I know that scanners are so dirt cheap these days that sometimes that's reasonable to, to think about. But let's see if I can find anything. I'm sure you've done some searching, but let's see if we can get a little further into Ubuntu forums and just see what we can come up with. I do have a post from February 14th of 2010. Uh, let's see. 
Hmm, apparently the photo version, one user saying that the photo version is actually different than the, just the standard 3490 uh, and does have some issues with, uh, with Linux support. Let's see. I'm going to get onto Epson Support's website and see what we can find here for you. Now, you've provided a link to something that's third party. So, I'm going to take a look at that because you're asking about converting from an RPM to a DEB. And unfortunately, the link that you've provided is taking me to, uh, to something that is not, uh, not very helpful. So, back to looking at Ubuntu forums. What I would suggest doing, and I'm sure, like I say, I'm sure you've probably tried this, but if you get over to ubuntuforums.org and do a search for your scanner, that's the right scanner, right? Eh? Oh, it was 3590. I just uh, Let's double check. I'm just gonna. It was a 3590 photo scanner. A 3590. Okay. I've never had any trouble getting my scanner to work either on uh, on Ubuntu. You've never experienced any problems with that, eh? Well, yeah, it was plugged into my computer and you were trying yeah. to use it on your machine. <laughs> <laughs> Took me a second. I'm just I'm just doing a search here just so that uh, so that you know what's happening here and Eric will attest that I'm actually actively click 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 moving yes, around indeed. moving around. So this looks like the product discontinued product. Um, let's see what we can find. Oh boy, technical support. Let's hope that uh, we can find something to do with Linux here. Drivers and downloaded for uh, downloads for Windows, Mac, other. Here's hoping that other will take us somewhere. Nothing at all. Oh, wait. Okay, this is encouraging. Linux drivers for Epson products provided by, and that's the name of the company that you were trying to send a link to, but that link didn't work. So let's take a quick boo. Someone here in the chat room says, uh, his wife says that all the time, invalid argument. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I am so sorry, my friend. I, I'm coming up against roadblocks here, which I don't like to see. See what happened here? I got to this, I got this far, and then suddenly neither Epson nor Avasys provides support for Linux drivers. Uh, to see if you have drivers for your model, I've clicked on Epson scanners. And I'm just. Okay, so let's follow through and see what happens. This is going to take me to avasys.jp. Now, 
are you joining us in the chat room? Because I'd love to know when you say that uh, you were unable to get Alien to get it working. I'm curious if if it was just a dependency issue, if we can resolve those dependency issues, or if um, if you're actually unable to convert the file. Because we can get at least that far. Without the scanner, it's hard to, to know if it's, uh, it's going to work or not. But we can work through um, each of the dependencies that are required for your scanner. So I'm going to choose the scanner here. Holy cow. This puts you through a ringer to get the drivers. And this is unfortunate. And, and it should be understood that this is not the regular case for getting a scanner to work on Linux. And that's why one of the reasons I'm kind of like, it's an old scanner. How good is the quality on that scanner? Because I'd be, I don't know, regifting that to maybe somebody who uses Windows. And Does he have a boat? Do you have a boat? It's a valid question. That might be an invalid. You argument. you want to use Linux, and they're they're putting us through the ringer here to get the drivers. If you get the drivers and you're able to convert them, and then they're having dependency issues, it looks like because this this scanner was so old, um, it's maybe there are drivers that were for an older version of Linux, but it doesn't look like there's anything current. So, getting it to go might be you're running into the exact problem. So. But there are some good Canon scanners that are going to work perfectly under Linux. Uh, just plug, in, plug it in and it works. Um, that are going to go for under 40 bucks. Um, goodness, I'd even, you know, if you're local, I'll send you one or whatever. Like, they're, they're just, they're, they're readily available because nobody really, since the all-in-one has really kind of taken over, and that's what everybody's using, right? So, sorry. Not very helpful on that one, eh? Not very helpful. I mean, we're working on it. We're look, looking through, but didn't get us very far. I don't know what that dude. Got a couple of questions in the chat room. Yeah. Want to sure. know what your shirt says, so maybe you can just. Uh, well, that's John's uh, responsibility right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just it's it basically summarizes that entire segment on uh, Epson scanners <laughs> right there. Indeed, I thought it was yeah. apropos. Except I only got I think about this far. <laughs> yeah. And it stopped flashing. It certainly <laughs> stopped flashing. Yeah. It, it, it kind of crashed. It turned to a blue shirt at that moment. What can you do? What can you do? Well, we've got a couple of minutes uh, before the news. Um, so, and I, I really am sorry that I, I don't always have the answers for stuff, especially when it's hard hardware related, because with a hardware device, it's really something like that is going to be real trial and error. But I do want I do want to stress that for those of you who are who are hearing that and and saying, oh, well, is it going to be hard to get my scanner working in Linux? It's not necessarily the case. And in fact, this is the first, I, I've never had a problem with any of my scanners, uh, even some of the older ones. Yeah. I had an old HP scanner that was, that was a dinosaur, and it was huge. It was, like, it was thick, and it was a flatbed. I plugged it in, and it worked. Um, the Canon scanner that I use now, is, it works perfectly. Um, so never had that problem. So it might just be time to move forward with your device. Sorry. But that's a, that's last ditch resort. Keep trying, and then and then give up. <laughs> so write some grammar. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, reckon. Kerbuntu, good guy. Hey, Jameson. Nice to see us. All right. Anything else coming in at the moment, or we'll uh, uh, we'll get started on our feature then. We're all set to go. Um, so tonight, I wanted to uh, take a look at creating panoramic imaging. 
uh, using free software. So um, you've seen panoramic images where you know that's it's like this really wide photo. You get a really Indeed. wide look at at any um, you know whether it be landscapes. Landscapes are beautiful uh, done panoramically uh, because you don't need the height. You need the width. Um, as well as it can be used for doing things like virtual tours. Uh, if you're planning to sell your house or something, uh, creating panoramics are a great way to show, showcase that smaller bathroom, for example, or the living room. Get a real panoramic shot of the living room so that uh, people can really get a sense for uh, what, what the room looks like. So, uh, so I, uh, I skipped over uh, to the Barry waterfront this evening, and, and I just have... What we want to do tonight is learn how to create a, a panorama with just a standard digital camera. Now my camera is a little bit, a little, I guess you know, it was a step up for me. It's a little bit nicer than than the you know just a straight entry level. It's an NV7 from Samsung, which now these days is probably you know it's pretty dated. It's seven megapixels, but still takes a pretty good shot for what it is. But it doesn't have panoramic mode, and it doesn't have the ability to take panoramic shots. So if your camera is the same, you've got just a standard digital camera, uh, something that you keep in your in your pocket or whatever, just you know one of those standard digital cameras, you're you're able to actually create panoramic imaging by seamlessly uh, tiling or seamlessly uh, stitching together multiple photos. So I skipped down to the waterfront and uh, and started snapping some pictures this evening, uh, just before the show, and this is uh, this is the I don't know if it's is that the the spirit catcher is that what they call that thing, John? Yeah. That yeah. Is the spirit catcher, the spirit catcher uh, down by Barry's waterfront. I guess it has some kind of significance. The birds love it. Um, but you can see that each individual shot is not going to give me that full view of what the uh, what the area looks like. So by creating a panorama, by snapping those multiple shots, I'm going to be able to actually create a view across the entire width of of the uh, of the waterfront. Um, so we're going to take a look at that uh, in a few moments. Uh, we should hop over to the news and find out what's going there. And, uh, and then we'll hop right back to that and learn about uh, panoramic imaging using a standard digital camera and all free software. Okay, well, the owner of the ATI brand, AMD, have announced their intent to phase out that brand from its line of graphic cards beginning with the next line of products. In a bold and possibly risky move, AMD believes their Radeon and Fire Pro names are strong enough to stand by themselves without the ATI brand. AMD plans to release two new branding options, one which features the AMD logo displayed below the name of the card's chipset, for example, Radeon, but uh, the second option entirely omitting the AMD name, allowing computer manufacturers to labor, label their Intel-based computers as Radeon, not confusing the processor brands by uh, including the AMD mark. Existing products, including the Radeon HD 5000 series, will not be renamed. AMD says the first products to carry the AMD Radeon label will be introduced later this year. Over the past few weeks, Category 5 Technology TV has been testing QR code integration with the show, bringing easy access to iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry users who can simply scan the code using a QR reader app installed on their device. QR codes may be read by installing a QR code reader app such as KWA Reader for smartphones from Motorola, Nokia, Samsung, or Sony Ericsson today. <coughs> devices, upcode for BlackBerry, and a number of other devices for any one of the numerous QR reader apps available in the App Store for iPhone. 
In the successful tests which have been performed thus far, smartphone users may simply scan the code from their screen to automatically begin watching the latest episode of the Category 5 technology TV directly on their device. In fact, if you have your smartphone handy, scan the QR code shown to see how last week's episode of the Category 5 technology TV looks on your phone. Now, you actually tried that, eh? You've got a BlackBerry and... I tried that. What app do you use? Do you remember? Um, actually, I was using my uh, BlackBerry Messenger, and I can scan a group barcode, ah. um, which, again... Oh, I have used Messenger there. Yeah, you're right. Oh, no. there you go. Okay. Scanning codes um, and stuff. That's cool. So, yeah. Um, Toshiba is uh, voluntarily recalling the satellite... I'm Toshiba, oh, Toshiba oh, Head. I didn't. Look at me. Look at that. I'm Toshiba Head. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. That's a good look. Not to, uh, not to interrupt matches, the news. It goes well with your shirt, It matches actually. the shirt. Sorry, where was I? Toshiba is voluntarily recalling this shirt. The Satellite <laughs> T135, 135D, and Satellite Pro T130 models, as their charging mechanism could be faulty, causing the laptop to become extremely hot, possibly melting the plastic and burning the user. Mm. The recall affects roughly 41,000 users. The defective laptops are less than a year old in some cases. Check your Toshiba notebook. If your laptop's part number on the bottom of the laptop starts with PST3AU, PST3BU, or PST3LU, your laptop is affected by the flaw and has been recalled. If that's you, call 1-800-457-7777 to talk to Toshiba support or visit laptops.toshiba.com and click on support. Okay. Ubuntu announced on Friday the immediate availability of the beta release of the newest version of Ubuntu Linux. I can't say Linux. <laughs> Ubuntu Linux. <laughs> Yeah. which is set for final release in October. I can hardly wait. The release, codenamed Maverick Meerkat, is officially called Ubuntu 10.10 and promises some excellent advancements in desktop Linux, such as GNOME 2.31, improved integration of the Ubuntu One Cloud storage system, and a hugely improved Ubuntu Software Center, which makes software installation a breeze in Ubuntu and now features previously unavailable options, such as installation of MP3 file format support without the need of a third-party installer or advanced Linux knowledge. Ubuntu 10.10. I'm going to say this time, promises to be a great step in making Linux usable for all. Those who feel adventurous may try the beta software for free by downloading it from ubuntu.com. However, you should expect bugs and some issues. So if you're not okay with that, please wait until October's full release. There's some other stories in the Category 5 TV newsroom this week include... Google hopes to pay $8.5 million to settle the class action lawsuit filed over the Google Buzz social networking service. And Sony has blocked PS Jailbreak and PS Groove with a firmware update to the PlayStation 3 console. Get the full stories at Category5.tv slash newsroom. The Category5.tv newsroom is researched by Roy W. Nash with contributions from Gadget Wisdom Guru, Becca Ferguson, and our community of viewers. If you have a news story you think is worthy of on-air mention, email newsroom at category5.tv. Thanks, Eric. You are so welcome. So, using our standard camera and an application called Hugen, uh, don't get me on the pronunciation of that. You should look it up. H-U-G-I-N. Uh, basically, 
when you're taking a panoramic image, the, the trick is to avoid uh, any kind of issues with depth perception. The way that we do that is your lens. Now, on, on my camera, it's, it's a little more pronounced because we've got this depth to the lens. So about midpoint in the lens, if you look inside, you can see where the where the kind of the eye of the lens is, which is about halfway through the lens. So when I'm turning my camera, I want to try to turn it on that axis and overlap the images so that the first image, far right, is the first image. And then the second image is actually going to have between 30 and 50% of the same content so that it has something to stitch together and, and the software is able to detect, okay, well, this photo is actually uh, to be joined to this photo kind of thing. Um, with Hugin, it's it's pretty amazing because unlike uh, traditional panoramic imaging you don't need a special tripod you don't have to be so precise that you're actually you know balanced on your lens and you're and you're turning it right on the lens you saw in the video there that I was kinda just holding out my camera and turning it like this and just being careful to to try not to uh, move my camera to the right or or look up or look down because then we're gonna have some weird distortions on on the uh, actual panorama so just by pointing to the first image Turning a little bit, snap a picture. Turning a little bit, snap a picture. Turning a little bit, and snap a picture. As many pictures as you like. Usually, it works best uh, if you're going to do a straight image that you not go, you know, beyond the you know straight line. So far right to far left, basically, uh, because if you start to go beyond that, then you've got that kind of a panoramic distortion because you're seeing stuff that's actually literally behind you. Uh, but that can be used as well with fisheye effect and do uh, some some neat effects. Uh, but it takes some experimenting. So simply by creating images like that. Now I've taken these photos uh, down at the waterfront, as you saw, and so there's my first image. And then as I scroll, now you see that there are some people there, but they're right on the edge of the photo. And that's something that you need to be mindful of: is that if there's a person that's standing right in the middle here. Now I can't do anything with the birds, uh, other than I could uh, remove those using the GIMP, uh, and that's fine. Uh, but would you call me? GNU image manipulation program. <laughs> you know all about that. I do. So you just want to make sure that there's not a lot of stuff that is in motion. If you're doing a panorama of, for example, a, a car driving down the road, you're going to run into problems because it's moving, you're moving, you're snapping multiple shots, so it turns out like that's multiple cars. So that can be a problem. So in this case, it was pretty good because it was everything was fairly stationary. Um, I did have to deal with uh, people walking and stuff, which is, you know, is fine. Um, and I was able to snap the pictures in such a way, m for the most part, there were no people in any of the shots, even though you can't see, but there were actually quite a few people that were walking by at the time. So, so that works out fine. So I'm going to use an application called Hugen, and it is, of course, uh, in harmony with, uh, with this series on uh, basic photo manipulation. This is part seven. Uh, we are using free software, and this application is available from hugen.sourceforge.net. As far as uh, availability and compatibility goes, uh, certainly it is available for Linux. It's also available for uh, OS X and, uh, and Windows as well. It comes pre-compiled for Ubuntu, Fedora, and Gentoo, uh, as well as uh, the source tarbles are available as well. So users of Windows, uh, users of Mac, or users of Linux are going to have no trouble getting Hugen on their, on their desktop. In my case, now you could go to the website and you could compile it from source or you could download the uh, Debian packages for Ubuntu or however you want to do it. In my case, what I want to do is I actually want to use uh, Synaptic Package Manager, which is a great way to install applications on my Ubuntu system. So I'm going to go System, Administration, 
and Synaptic Package Manager. And once that's, uh, once I've, I've got to enter my uh, super user password there, once that's up, I'm going to simply type in uh, in the search up at the top, Hugin, H-U-G-I-N. It's coming. You can see the indicator down at the bottom right. This is where, Hillary, we miss your theme music. Oh, did Hillary sing in here? Yeah, she'd probably be singing or, or humming or something. I haven't okay, said so cool beans once yet. You haven't? No, I'm scared to. You have now? Okay, Hugin. There we go. So that brings up Hugin and uh, anything with the name Hugin in the, in the uh, title. So I've single-clicked on the uh, checkbox and gone install, and it's telling me that I also need to install. Now that list could be um, populated with a bunch of things, uh, different applications that, that Linux is telling you you need to actually install on your computer in order for Hugin to work. That's what we were talking about a little bit earlier, but <coughs> dependencies. Uh, dependencies mean these, are, these applications here are also required in order to use Hugin. And that's one of the things that makes Ubuntu or Linux uh, in general uh, really great for installing applications is with dependencies, you can install applications and it automatically installs anything that's required in order to operate those applications. So as simple as that, through the internet with no CD, no, uh, no disks of any sort, I'm just going to go apply. And that's the apply <coughs> button up at the top there. <coughs> is he doing okay over there? We're okay. You're all right. You have a microphone, so I don't. I don't know that co covering your mouth. I don't know if it helps or not. That's right. Probably not. Drink your water. Cheers. That's uh, so. That's installed. <laughs> I'm allowed to give him a hard time. My beer's empty. Oh dear. <laughs> Here it comes. So Hugin is installing on my system, and as you can see, this is not going to take a long time. I'm going to have enough time to just take a sip of my water. And there it comes, getting it right off the internet. And Hugin uh, is also available through um, Perfect Buntu. If you've used perfectbuntu.category5.tv, Hugin, along with some of the plugins, uh, gets installed with that if you request that. So changes are applied. That's ready to go. So now I'm going to close out a Synaptic Package Manager. And under Applications, Graphics, I'm going to see that there is now Hugin Panoramic, uh, Panorama Creator. I'll just zoom in a little bit there so that you can see that better. Graphics. Hugin Panorama Creator, and again, if you're on Windows or Mac, uh, the interface to uh, to get there is, is going to be a little bit different, but uh, but it won't be a problem. So and this is the here it comes here splash, and there we go. The uh, did you know tips of the day are are quite good, so I'd recommend that you you know take a look at uh, at least a few of them each time you load the application. Uh, I'm just going to close that. And what we want to do is we want to, first of all, load our images. So we're going to just click on the Load Images button, and that's going to obviously uh, bring up a dialog so that we can browse to our photos. So on my desktop, I've got that folder that I created, Barry Spirit Capture, uh, Spirit Capture Panorama. I've clicked on the first image. I'm going to hold my left Shift key and click on the last image. That highlights all. And then I can go Open. So now those images are there. Now there's two things with Hugin, and one is that you can use uh, the built-in software, which is, again, brought in by dependencies, uh, that's going to automatically detect control points and try to align those images as best it can. But there are variables, um, pardon me, such as lighting, such as um, if you weren't holding the cameras quite straight. Uh, different things can cause 
or even motion. Motion is a, is a big one. Um, those kinds of things can cause issues with, um, with uh, your alignment if you use the automated system. But I always tend to try the automated system first, uh, see how it does, see if it works, because on some images it works perfectly and it saves you a lot of time. Uh, otherwise, we may have to create control points ourselves. So the first time through, I'm just going to click on Align here. Now, I'm, I'm using normal rectilinear uh, lens type. That's just your standard uh, lens for a standard camera. That's probably what you're going to be using because you most likely don't have a different lens on a standard camera. You've got the normal or rectilinear uh, lens. So I'm going to click on Align, and that's going to just go through the process of going through each of those images, and it's going to detect control points, like I, like I mentioned earlier about overlapping those images, it's going to see, okay, well, here's the image overlapping, and it's going to detect points within that that are going to straighten that image. If there's a lot of clouds on a cloudy day and the clouds are moving, um, that can also cause some control points issues with the automated uh, control points. Um, so depending on how this comes out, we may or may not have to create our own control points, but we will anyways just for the, for the reference so that you know how to do that. So something like a static city skyline might be a... It would really be brilliant. Great application yeah, to use this absolutely. Uh, rooms, uh, buildings are are great because there there are those, unlike a horizon where you don't necessarily have those straight edges and squares and things like that. A but building, a hockey game, not so much. Definitely not. <laughs> okay, everybody, stand very still. We're gonna do a panoramic shot. Might not work so well. Okay, so this is just, and this is not too time time consuming of a process, but a little bit for you know, for, for filling time. Maybe we could do a song and dance or something, but this is in real time actually uh, <laughs> actually creating those control points by detecting those uh, within the image. Once that's done, we'll be able to see what that's going to look like as a panoramic image based on those digital, or those uh, automatically created uh, control points. Moving along, moving along. How far in are we? I wonder if we can tell. Well, we'll let that go. Any comments or anything in the chat room, we'd love to hear from you. Category5.tv and uh, just post us uh, a message in the chat room and let us know uh, if you have a question with regards to panoramic imaging. Uh, anything along those lines would be great. Here it goes. We're starting to stitch now. So it's detected the control points. And we're at about uh, 12%, 13 14 Nothing going on in the chat room at this. Point. People are talking. People. Somebody are keeps away. trying to get Robbie to do a song and dance. He hasn't so far. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We're at forty-five percent of everyone. So. I offer to bring my guitar and sing my latest country tune. That'd be great. You said you might scare everybody away with that. Country so. music? I don't know. Hey, come on. Better be careful. I bring my hockey don't wanna, stick. We don't want to offend anyone. I can bring this my is rated G. Next time. Yeah. No? Okay. <laughs> We've had experiences with sticks on this show. <laughs> Hi, Christy. <laughs> John's over there laughing. Actually, um, Raptor222 says you can do a panorama of a hockey game, just uh, need an array of half a dozen cameras shooting at the same oh, time. Oh, absolutely. If they were done at the same time, or if you have, okay. like what the Google car has, a camera yeah. that takes all angles at once. But what we're doing is we're not using a $20,000 camera. We're not using $21,000 cameras. We are using no. a $100 camera okay. kind of idea, right? That's the idea. 
So let's uh, let's see what we're what we're getting here for from Hugan. So let's see. So we can see there's our first image. See how that skyline is done actually pretty good digitally, like just with the automated system. Um, the people are in the image, which I don't like. So what I'm going to try is I can try turning off whichever image that is. Just go through these images up at the top. So it's image one. So if I turn that image off, now those people have disappeared because they're no longer attached. They're no longer a part of the, uh, the panorama. So now what I want to do is uh, we're going to click on photometrics. I'm not sure how well this, this particular computer is going to perform because I'm just using a, yeah, so it'll probably have some issues. But when you click on photometrics, it's going to actually render the image, um, correcting some of the lighting, um, doing a better job of actually creating that panorama. What are you laughing about over there? Oh, just country songs getting played backwards and oh, in, yes. a, in a droid getting run over by a pickup truck. But other than that, <laughs> that was my country music reference. Hugan apparently does not play too well with uh, with broadcasting live. <laughs> I, I want to show you this because it's kind of it's funny, but it's sad at the same time because I'm trying to do a demonstration for you. Nope. It's literally crashed my my 3D subsystem on on the graphic card. Well, you know, um, actually, a news girl pointed this out. I was going to point it out too, mm -hmm. but I don't remember the year. But uh, um, it says "Boo the evil spirit catcher." But uh, those knife things actually. Did when it was first uh, installed, uh, the wind came up and a few of them kind of came down precariously. I oh dear! Nobody, nobody got hit, but they had to sort of reinforce so uh, the was, original. So it was almost as good uh, as, the, as the demonstration. So I'm thinking it's apropos that the uh, spirit catcher image uh, crashed your graphics. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, I uh, that that kind of puts a damper on that, doesn't it? You can you can zoom out now, John. <laughs> no Robbie humor today. Yeah, I, I, that's there's the first time for everything. When when I click on on photometrics, it is it's going to render. Great image, isn't that a, outstanding? That is that will make the blooper real. And for those of you who are watching for the first time tonight, I'm terribly terribly sorry. For those of you who are regulars, you understand that this is not a regular happenstance, and that's all good. So, Eric, uh, take it away with a question. We'll uh, we'll come back to panoramic imaging, certainly another time. Well, well, we have one here from Andrew Jameson. Uh, hey, Robbie and Hillary. Hi, I'm not really Hillary, but I'll try. Cool beans. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking about putting Windows on a smaller SSD and then load programs and games onto a separate HDD. What I want to know is what size SSD should I get for Windows 7 to be installed on? I need at least 20 gigabytes for it to installed, according to what I read, but no SSD I see is less than 30 gigabytes, and not sure if I should allow extra space. Also, since Windows, unlike Linux, does not follow drives to be mapped to directories during installation, so the programs files folder in Windows is predestined to be on the SSD as well. Is there an environmental variable I can change so that when programs look for the default installation path, they are pointed to a folder 
other than program files? Yeah, sure. Yeah, as sure. Step, okay, there you have it. The, the In case here. I confused you, here it is well, broken thanks. down. <laughs> no. Well, certainly uh, with Windows 7 and, and SSD, you're going to get a much better experience because, uh, and I don't have access to my computer right now, and I'm sorry for that. Uh, that's just coming back up. I'm just going to do the, the, the quick reboot. Um, with an SSD drive in Windows 7, they've uh, basically redone the way that Windows works with SSD drives. Um, so you're going you're gonna to get much better performance than you would with previous versions of Windows because... Uh, stuff like defragging, stuff like uh, pre-caching uh, applications, uh, preload kind of idea. That kind of stuff doesn't happen with Windows 7 anymore. It automatically turns that off if an SSD drive is in use because it's no longer necessary because that, that, those kinds of things, defragging and, and uh, pre-caching your, your data, uh, your applications, those were all things that were implemented in order to circumvent the the downfalls of those old you know this the standard spinning hard drive uh, but now that uh, you've got a, f uh, a completely different mechanism for storing the data that's no longer necessary so uh, so the performance on Windows 7 is going to work really really well um, and I'll ask you to actually leave that email up on the screen for me just because I don't have access and it's coming up I'm almost there um, so what size how much space do you need on your on your SSD that would depend on the uh, the default installs uh, of Windows. I believe it was is it 30 gigs uh, is the requirement. Anything below that, you won't be able to install it. I believe is the requirement uh, without having access to check. Uh, people can correct me in the chat room if that's incorrect. <coughs> um, but you always want to make sure that you've got more space than what is required by your operating system. Um, Windows. Essentially, if you're going to go that route of SSD as your primary hard drive, keep in mind that you need a lot of RAM because you don't want to have a swap file that's swapping to your hard drive all the time. But you could always, you know, with that secondary SATA drive, you could use that as your swap. But again, then you're kind of circumventing the speed benefits of having an SSD. So the more RAM you have, at least 8 gigs, um, you're going to uh, have that really good performance boost. If you've got less than that, or uh, certainly if you're below 4 gigs, things are going to be swapping to your hard drive regularly. Uh, if you're using any kind of graphic editing software, if you're doing anything that's uh, even slightly uh, heavy as far as memory goes. So that said, make sure you've got not just the space on your SSD, but also a lot of RAM in the computer to get that performance boost and make it worthwhile. Because they're expensive, right? They're more expensive than the traditional drive as far as capacity uh, goes, gigabyte to gigabyte, for sure. But as your wisdom guru is pointing out, you're not going to find an SSD smaller than that anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but you are. But you, you may not. But they are. They, they, you can get an 8 gig SSD. You can get a 20 gig SSD. Um, but yeah, what, what you see in retailers may not be. They may be pushing the, the larger sizes for sure. Uh, but certainly, any anything under 30 gigs, I'm, I'm sure would be uh, would be an issue. As in, it's not gonna not gonna go for you. Um, as far as moving things onto your other uh, hard drive, uh, it sounds like you're looking for symlinks or uh, junctions in Windows 7, uh, which was introduced in, uh, I believe, with the NTFS file system. So, uh, do a search for junctions uh, on Windows 7. Um, trying to remember the command is uh, mklink space uh, slash j to create a, a junction. So you would you would create on your, like let's say your second hard drive is your E drive, for example, on Windows. 
Um, so you've got uh, an SATA drive that you want to put your program files on and say it's mapped to E. So you would go to your C drive. Well, you first create a program files folder on your E drive. And then you would go into the command prompt, uh, basically like a DOS style prompt on Windows 7 and, uh, and create a, a junction between the original program files and the E drive program files, moving all those files over uh, to your E drive. So then your system should be able to t should think that anytime it saves to program files, it thinks it's saving to C colon slash program files, if that's the location, for example. Uh, but it's actually saving to your E drive, um, and it's very similar to symlinks or mount points in in Linux as far as how that works. So uh, mklink space slash j. Just do a quick uh, search on the web, and you'll probably find uh, instructions on how to do that. Uh, even append to that move program files, and I'm sure you'll get uh, you'll get some help. So I am coming back online, uh, but I, I dare not uh, even try because that obviously requires a, a bit of 3D uh, acceleration in order to get that far. You probably won't have that problem. It has something to do with the broadcast and the way that everything's wired in. Uh, but what I'll try to do is is uh, we'll recreate that demonstration in such a way that uh, that I'll I'll kind of record what's happening uh, off air and then be able to play it back. So, but, uh, but for those of you who are interested in panoramic imaging, you saw that it was starting to stitch together, uh, and it, it is starting to come together. Once you are happy with the alignment, then you can export that, um, and, and you'll have a, a good-looking panoramic image. So, but I will definitely come back to that in, in a, a future week, uh, and I apologize for the technical difficulties tonight. I guess it's bound to happen. We're fortunate that it doesn't happen too often, Eric. I think... Uh, I've never seen it happen. You've never seen it happen. It's never happened with you on the show. It never has. Maybe it's my fault. No, it couldn't be that. Couldn't <laughs> be that. This is Category 5 Technology TV. You'll find us online, www.category5.tv. I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson, and uh, Eric is joining me here tonight. Hi. You know what? We should say hi to a couple of new viewers. Indeed. We have Zandol. Zan Did I say that pronunciation again? Zandol, 3T3 from Fort Lewis, and we're wondering, maybe that's Washington, and uh, DJ Tarot from Bucharest, and mm. that's probably Romania, and Good I have a request here. from uh, News Girl to say, cool beans, and a really big smile, so, cool beans, <laughs> oh my, there we are, any questions in the chat room while we got uh, a couple of minutes left to the show? Or if you have a question that's uh, that's come in that maybe I've missed while I was somebody wanted to know if I wanted to sing his, his country song uh, for him uh, to do with the I don't think that something happened. to do with an android. I don't think that happened. It's like when Christy would say, "Oh, somebody would like to talk about the weather." It just hey, he struck me. <laughs> I have witnesses. I bring it up because I know she's watching. He, he you I saw can, that he struck me. Yeah, <laughs> violence on the show. The, I'm going to have to change the rating of tonight's show. Just I am going back to that out. request. It was. Gadget wisdom guru. <laughs> Looking for someone to contribute under a Creative Commons attribution license a country song about an Android phone oh, well, there you to go. my Android-themed podcast. Do you want to write a song for Gadget Wisdom Guru? I would love to. Well, there you have it. Um, oh, my talent's not important. <laughs> As anyone's an improvement over uh, me singing, or Gadget Wisdom Guru singing, would I be interested? Boy, would I. <laughs> You, you put it together and we'll play it on the show. Okay. Sure. Eric Bio, Eric Bio. 
Oh my. Now I'm not really? telling you a bit of anything about me. We're, uh, we're watching the chat room here. For those of you who are not joining us in the chat room, make sure you get in there. Category5.tv, lots of stuff going on. Uh, just a ride in the chat room. Good to see everybody who's there. Well, it was suggested I strike back after you struck me. Mm -hmm. But this is not hockey, so no, we're not doing that thing. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Any other questions there that have come in? How about you, John? Keeping well? I was watching the fights and a hockey game broke out. <laughs> <laughs> can everyone hear John there? He's not mic'd, but uh, sometimes we can pick him up. Oh so we, uh, we got a, a couch this week. Uh, so we're able to welcome a couple of people to uh, join us in the ch in the uh, in the studio here uh, during a live broadcast. So pretty excited about that. Those of you who are watching uh, Backstage Pass, you're able to see that. Kind of cool. That's pretty cool. Wasn't there before. You you wouldn't know. I'm gonna go but sit on. Yeah, definitely. Sure. <laughs> Eric Bile. They want to hear. They want to find out about uh, who you are and stuff. We'll yeah. write a bio. Snap your picture. <laughs> and I'm learning how to say cool beans. People want to know uh, who you are, what, what you do. You've got a background in television. I've done all IT. kinds of things. You, you, I'm not going to tell you everything. Um, I don't know who he is or how I, he got uh, here. I have showed worked, up. I have worked the on TV, on. but as an IT guy. Yeah, okay. Um, cool. Been a musician most of my adult life. Mm -hmm. I stopped playing hockey when I was 11, but started when I was much older, and I still stick handle like an 11-year-old, but I have a lot of fun. <laughs> um, typically don't get too injured out there. Crash into the odd person once in a while. Do the odd thing on a computer here and there. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't written an Android country theme song, though. But Not yet. That's it'll, coming. It'll, it'll, That's it'll coming. come. We're going to turn this into a country music uh, slash... Uh, I don't think that's happening. No? Uh, I've got a question from Kurbuntu, uh, who's just asking about a RAID 1 setup, just wondering if they should be uh, concerned with uh, with the inclusion or not, or lack thereof, of uh, time-limited error recovery on the Western Digital drives, uh, or if you want to just use the consumer level entry, you know, the green drives or whatever they are. Um, I would say it depends on what you're, what you're using the drives for. Uh, there are multiple different levels of hard drives. Certainly, in a in a production environment where your servers are running all the time, it's better to have those high-end uh, hard drives with the error correction. Just like your your ECC RAM, same sort of idea. Uh, in a server environment, now if you're working with just backups at home and needing to have some redundancy, you can get away with those cheaper drives. Um, my server that I use to store our files and stuff, it spins down the drives. I'm using Unraid. Uh, and it does a great job of, you know, it shuts off the drives when they're not in use. Um, and I just use those, uh, you know, I use, uh, primarily I'm, I'm a fan of Seagate, um, so I've got some 7200 RPM drives that just spin up when they're in use and spin down when they're done, uh, and that works really well for me. But when you're in a redundant situation, the idea is is that, well, you hope that, um, that if a drive fails, that the other one doesn't fail. That's the ideal situation. Uh, with a RAID 1, you've got two drives. One can, one can fail, the other one needs to hold your data. If both fail, then you lose your data, and you've got a, a data recovery situation where you've got to figure out how to recover that data. 
Um, so it, it really depends on the situation. Uh, a backup server, Kubuntu is saying. So in that case, if it's, if it's pretty low yield um, and you're just backing up your data, that extra bit of redundancy, I'm talking about, you know, you buy those um, external hard drives at, at the, the local super centers or retailers um, that just have a single drive and they say that they're a terabyte or two, two terabytes or whatever they happen to be, even 500 megabytes. Um, and you back up your data to them and then the hard drive crashes and where's your data? It's all on that single drive. So you're, you're in a really bad situation. With a RAID 1, however, be it internal or external, um, the, the idea is, is that if one of the drives fails, the other drive is still carrying your data. So then you replace the failed drive and you're back up and running uh, with that redundancy. So, so in a home environment or in a small business or uh, not such a heavy usage environment as like a server room or something like that, uh, you can get away with the cheaper drives, absolutely. And then it comes down, you know, whether you're using hardware RAID versus software RAID as well, that makes a difference. But I think in your in your situation, if it's if it's literally just uh, just to be able to uh, just back up your files and have that extra assurance of having a second drive uh, with some redundancy, then I would just you know I would get some some decent uh, uh, entry level you know consumer grade hard drives would be just fine. But keep an eye on them. Make sure that uh, you keep them. Make sure that they don't both fail, basically. So. Cool. We're just about out of time. Glad to get a reasonable question just right there at the end. I hope that uh, that helps you out. But this is uh, Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 155. Check out our website, category5.tv, for the show notes from the episode, uh, which, <laughs> you know, what do you do? What do you do when I, you have technical blips? At least the broadcast kept going. I saw but, Bill Gates, and he crashed his system. It was great. That was good, yeah. Just whatever you do, don't cho don't close the chat room because that's our only copy of the chat logs now. I'm not closing anything. That, that never happens. Hey, it's been nice having everybody here. Thank you so much for joining us here at Category 5 Technology TV. Eric, it's been good having you here. Thanks for having me. Did you have fun? I had fun. Loads of fun. Good, good. Thanks for... Uh, being harassed in the chat room, but it's yeah, all right. Yeah, that's good, that's good. They're, they want you to write that song, so get to it. <laughs> He's going to go home and have to... Play something out. My guitar's over there if you want to pick it up, you know, no, just at the end. And could happen. Perfect. Brilliant. Well, everybody, have a fantastic week, and we'll see you, uh, well, I'll see you uh, next Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. Take care. See ya.